Hello. Buenas noches. Oh, look at that. You did that from, from the back. Didn't even have to push anything. Jonah. The book of Jonah. Jonah, you all know where that book is. It's right before the best book in the entire Bible. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Jonah. For those of, of you that uh, weren't able to go to the, the uh, missionary conference there at uh, Hollywood Bible Chapel, um, my name is Micah Tuttle, and my wife is back there. Her name is Amy, and uh, we have our littlest child with us, and that is Elia, and she's three years old. I don't know where she is, actually. She's kind of disappeared back with friends, probably somewhere. Oh. The bathroom? bathroom? By herself? <laughs> She's really growing up. But we have, uh, we have six kids, three boys and three girls. Really, the Lord has blessed us with a, a neat family. And we have been in Peru for 16 years. And uh, half of that, eight years, we've been in the jungle. Um, kind of the northeastern part of, of Peru. Not really in the corner, but northeast side of Peru. Uh, of Peru, where uh, in a town, the town of Tarapoto, we have a boat and we go from uh, village to village, uh, preaching the gospel, trying to uh, make Christ's name great there and making disciples and, and planting churches. And the Lord's helped us to, to start a, a few Bible institutes or be part of starting Bible institutes. And the Lord's really blessed us. And um, we would ask that you'd pray for us there. If you want to know more about uh, Peru and our ministry there, you'll have to listen to the recording of the first message at the missionary uh, conference. Because uh, right now I want to share from Jonah. Bible, Bible, much better than a missionary report. So, the book of Jonah. I want to just read chapter 1. We'll just start with reading chapter 1. And uh, I want to show you a few things here. And uh, hopefully they can be, this can be an encouragement and a challenge to all of you, as it is for me, just thinking about some of these things. So Jonah chapter 1, I'm reading from the ESV. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and he said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Verse 7. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do with you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. 
Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word and the encouragement and challenge that it is to us. I pray that you would speak to us this evening help me to say the words that you want me to say and Lord maybe there are some this evening that find themselves running from your will to do their own and I pray that you would speak to us and challenge us to stop running, to submit to your will. Because we know the best place to be is at the center of your will. So often we're tempted to run from it. Pray that uh, you would help us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. The main point of what I want to say. Um, as we look at this chapter and really uh, the whole book of Jonah is Jonah was running from God's will to do his own. Jonah was running from God's will to do his own. And, and, and I just, I'm speaking to myself. I find myself all of the time running from God's will to do my own. And, and I just, I need to be corrected. And uh, looking at this book is, is just, I mean, almost every verse has something to say uh, to correct me. And uh, maybe the Lord would uh, have something to say to you uh, as we look at some of these things. In the first place, to start off, um, the book of Noah, or no, the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah is a, a narration or a story in contrast to the other 11 minor prophets. All of the other 11 minor prophets are... Uh, are a message or a teaching that comes from that minor prophet. But this message here, or the only message that we see, is in chapter 3, verse 4, and it's an eight-word message that Jonah preaches to Nineveh. And it triggers the greatest revival in the entire Bible. Everyone in the city gets saved. Even the cows get saved. It mentions them twice. The cows are getting livestock are getting saved. I'm, I'm sort of joking, but it does mention the livestock are, are like fasting and things like that. And the Lord cares for them. The last word of the book is cattle. Um, so very interesting. But uh, he speaks an eight word message and cows are getting saved. The whole city. Um, but what I want to emphasize there, this is the only of the minor prophets uh, that it's a story. It's a narration. Another thing is Jonah was the only prophet that was a missionary. As in, he went to a different country, a, a different culture, a different people group to preach. All the other prophets, they either went to Judah or Israel. Um, and so Jonah, the only like cross-cultural missionary. A study of Jonah has to start, though, with 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. You can go there if you want to, or you can just listen. This is, it's talking about Jeroboam II. He was a bad king, not quite as bad as Jeroboam the first, but he was a bad king, Jeroboam. And it's talking about what happened in his lifetime. Second Kings chapter 14, verse 25. It's talking about this king, Jeroboam the second. And it says, he restored the borders of Israel from Lebel Hamath as far as the Sea of, of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. So look. It talks about Jonah in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. Jonah was a good news prophet until this story right here. Because it says that Jonah prophesied in the times of Jeroboam II, Jonah prophesied that, that God was going to expand Israel's borders. 
They, they were going to conquer. They were going to expand their borders. It, it was going to be a blessing. Jonah prophesied that. And the Lord made it happen. And so maybe you could kind of imagine Jonah as he'd go to from village to village in Israel. And maybe he'd have opportunities to preach in the different, different uh, Bible chapels and things. And uh, he, was, he was really popular, possibly. Hey, Jonah, what's the message for today? And uh, we, we want to hear some of this good news that you've been preaching. Israel, gonna, we're going to get a, you know, uh, uh, the, the economy is going to get better. Or maybe the Lord's going to give us more land. Uh, we want to hear some of, some of the good news. And so, Jonah, in this context, we can probably uh, assume that he's, he's a good news prophet. He's probably pretty popular. Um, but he doesn't want to go when he's called to Nineveh. Why doesn't he want to call? Uh, he doesn't want to go. God calls him directly. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, when you look at some of the commentaries and they talk about Assyria, Assyria, the capital of Assyria, Assyria the capital of Assyria was Nineveh, and they are conquering the known world all, all around them. And Israel is next on the list. And Israel, they're afraid of the Ninevites in Assyria. Assyria, they're bad people. When they conquered a, a nation, they would uh, take the people that they didn't murder and they'd take some of the captives and they would lead them through the desert back to Nineveh, the capital of, of, uh, of Assyria. But they'd take them by chains and at the end of the chain, there was these huge hooks that they would hook through one eyeball and out the other. And they would haul these people through the desert, these captives, and some of the captives then, to light the way through the desert, they would uh, run them through with large sticks, uh, it's not palos, sticks, and douse them with gasoline and light them on fire, and they would be like human torches. They'd plant those posts in the, in the desert and light the way to haul all of those captives by chains all the way back to Nineveh. Now, I'm sorry, I said that just so that you will understand. These were bad people. These were the Ninevites. Jonah wanted them to go to hell. He did not want to preach to them because he knew, even if I preach a bad news message to these people, I preach a message of judgment, it's just possible that they might repent. And God might relent from his wrath that he's going to pour out on these people. I don't want to preach to them because they might repent. Think about our assemblies. Maybe we're a little bit uncomfortable to do evangelism because we don't want people that aren't quite like us. We're not quite as polished as we are. Maybe we don't want them kind of uh, uh, sitting in the chair next to us in the chapel. Hey, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where, where you guys are coming from. I, I, all kinds of neat reports about Boulevard Bible Chapel. You guys are where it's at. We've I've heard that a lot of times. I mean, it's really encouraging. But uh, Jonah, he was running from God's will to do his own. He hated these people. He did not want to preach to them. He wanted them to go to hell. Um, it's interesting, as you go down this chapter 1, the word down, 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 it appears like six times, depending on your, on your version, but you, you, you see it happening. So you've got this prophet who is probably... Very close to the Lord, a useful instrument in, in the Lord's hands, a, a man of God. But you see, because of his attitude, he goes down, 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 down. Look, in verse 2, no, no, verse 3, it says he went down to Joppa. After that, it says he went down to the port of Tarshish. Then later it says that he went down into the inner part of the ship. In verse uh, 5. Then it says that when he had lain down, afterwards he gets thrown into the sea and he goes down into the sea. And then he's swallowed up by the great fish. He goes down into the great fish's stomach. So look at this. It's like almost... And we don't know who the author is. Maybe Jonah himself writes this, but it, the story's about him. But he, he starts in the context of Second Kings chapter... 
14, verse 25, seemingly a useful instrument in God's hands, a man of God, a preacher, and he just goes down, 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 down. Think of where you are with the Lord. Maybe you began on fire for the Lord, reading the Scriptures and memorizing and sharing the Gospel with everything that moved, and something has happened to you along the way. Your attitude has changed. Your priorities have changed. And you've just really gone down, 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 down. This is the story of Jonah. He's running from God's will to do his own. It's amazing here is in verse 10, he admits to the people, the mariners that are on the boat, and they ask him, who are you? Where are you from? What's your country? And he says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men are exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, what is this that you have done? Reprimanded by pagans. Reprimanded by pagans. I remember when I was an electrician, before we went to Peru, uh, about 20 years ago, I was on the job site and I was working with these guys and I was reading my Bible like 12 chapters every day. And I was sharing the gospel with guys. And then one day on the job, one of these guys, one of the guys, and he would mock me for being a Christian. He was a total atheist. And, uh, uh, but he, one day he said, hey, Micah, what did you read in your Bible this morning? And uh, I had read 12 chapters that morning. But I could not remember anything. I just, I realized I'm just like going through the motions. I'm just whipping through it. And I'm not, uh, I'm not remembering or retaining anything. And so he, uh, so he, he totally reprimands me. He, you're a Christian and you say that you read the Bible and you're talking to everybody and you read your Bible this morning, but you don't remember anything. It's like, oh, reprimanded by a pagan. Here, Jonah, what is this that you've done? The men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Uh, I mean, these guys, they're kind of like, they're sort of religious. Everyone's crying out to their God, but they all know they're just joking. It's a big joke, their religion, but they realize this guy, he's actually following the true and living God of the universe. He's the God of dry land and the water, the sea, that's about to swallow us up. And they're scared to death of it. And they realize, what is this that you have done? Now, he's, he's swallowed up by this great fish at the end, the, the last verse, the Lord, Lord appoints a great fish and it swallows him up. In the belly of this great fish, Jonah must have experienced the closest thing to hell that you can experience without actually being there. Maybe. I mean, it must have been horrible. Think it's dark, solitary place. You can just think about how you've rejected God or at least His call and what He sent you to do. Lamenting probably His bad decision. And He's conscious. Hell, eternal conscious punishment. And then think of the acids, the digestive acids going at His body. I kind of think, and obviously this is a miracle, but I kind of think when when He finally was thrown up on dry land... He probably was without hair. Maybe his face was kind of like this. Uh, Acid burns all over his body. I I don't know. Probably his appearance really added to the message that he preached later on. The Ninevites are like shocked. Look at this guy. And he smells bad too. And his message. Um, Once in one of our villages, I came into one of our villages, San Jose de Yanayaku. And... uh, uh, a, a guy, right when I arrived, he had just killed a boa that was 24 feet long. And we opened it up and it had a deer inside it. And uh, it, it was impressive. I got this picture. There's six of us guys. We're all holding the skin once it's skinned. And the skin's about right here. And it goes all the way down to the ground. And six guys holding this thing was super heavy with all the fat on the back and everything. It was, it was awesome. But uh, this deer inside it, the digestive juices, I don't know if it had been eaten a, a day before or two days or before, but I mean, the hair was just all burned off of it and it was still intact, but it was, it was ugly. It, the digestive juices, what it does, I'm sorry, there's all these kids here and I'm saying these terrible things. This evening. I'm sorry. I'm trying to illustrate here maybe what Jonah could have looked like, but chapter two, I just, I just quick, 
we better just skip to because it's ugly. He's inside the the body of this this. Uh, but basically, in chapter two, he he asks for God's help. He finally gives in to God. First first two verses, he asks for God's help. After that, verse three, he accepts God's discipline. And verses four down to nine, he basically trusts in God's promises. If you read it, and he ends with these famous words in, in verse nine: "Salvation belongs to the Lord." Now, chapter three. I'm trying to rush through this. I'm, this is all introduction. We're going to get to the main point here. Uh, chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Miami shall be overthrown. I might have read that wrong. And the people of Nineveh believed God and they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then after this, you see that the king calls for a fast and for repentance and he sends out this letter and everyone does it. Everybody repents. And basically, in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, they're almost identical to chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Almost the exact same thing. It's kind of like, okay, after I've dealt with you, Jonah, the rebellious prophet, now we can start the story. Let's just go back to the beginning and start the story for real. And he goes through, and again, this message that he preaches is a message of just eight words. And he preaches... And the whole city repents. You've got Jonah's mission, Jonah's obedience, Jonah's method, Jonah's message, and Jonah's success. Basically, in this chapter 3. Let me tell you something that happened in one of the villages to, to illustrate what's happening with Jonah, especially as we see in chapter 4. But uh, one time, a brother, Usias was his name, he came to our house and he reported to me something that had happened in his, in his village. And uh, he, he, he was telling me, and he was, he was just, he was shocked. He was beside himself as he, as he told me this story. He said, Hermano Miqueas, I just came from my village. And there was a, a few, uh, about two weeks earlier, uh, a young girl had given birth to a baby boy. And uh, the baby boy, after a few days, uh, got sick. Uh, kind of a common cold, and uh, but uh, uh, the mom just left the baby in the hammock. And Usias went to see the baby and, and tell the mom, you know, is there anything I can do to help? Any medicine that I can bring? And the mom said, no, just, just leave the baby there in the hammock. Uh, you know, it'll probably get better. And she just ignored the baby completely. Next day, uh, Usias goes back to see how the baby's doing. And the baby's worse. And so he goes to the mom, you know, I've got some antibiotics. What can I do to help? And, and the mother's like, no, no. And he's like, you know, we really should take the baby to the clinic upriver. It's about five hours in a peke peke canoe. It's a motorized canoe. And it goes upriver. About five hours going to get to the clinic or, or a hospital uh, up in, in town. And she just, no, it's uncomfortable to go. It's going to be hot. It's going to cost a lot of money, the gasoline. Uh, I'm going to lose a couple days here in, in the village. Yeah, just leave the baby there. Usias the next day goes, and the baby is grave. I mean, the baby's going to die. So he takes the mother by the hand and the baby in his arms. says, come on, we are going in my canoe with my picket picket. I'll put the gasoline in. We're going. We got it. And he like forces the woman to go with the baby. And so as the woman's back in the, or towards the front there of the boat, and he's in the back running the picket picket, they go about five hours, they come to the last bend in the river, he pulls over to the side on the shore, and he, and he goes to get the gasoline uh, uh, bottle, or gasoline jug, and he goes and he's going to fill up the, the tank, and he asks at that time the mother, how's the baby? We're almost there, you can see the city right, or the town right around the corner here, how's the baby doing? And she looks at him without any emotion in her face, no sadness or anything, indifferent. She says, oh, the baby died two hours ago. I threw him into the water. And he's like, what? He's looking through the sabanas, the, the sheets and the, and, the, and the 
blankets. And he's looking. Where's the baby? Where's the baby? And he, the baby's not there. You threw your baby into the river? The baby died? And you don't even care? It, and all of you listening, it, it, you should be indignant hearing this. And as I'm hearing this, I'm indignant. What? And this lady should go to jail. She doesn't even love her own child? Such indifference? And really, as I thought about this story later on, I thought, this is exactly how we are as Christians. As people are going to hell around us. And we're just kind of indifferent. We don't even care. Oh, it seems. Jonah here, he's indifferent. And we're going to see in chapter 4, he, doesn't, he, he, almost, he wants these people to go to hell. He's running from God's will in order to do his own. So often we think it's, it's uncomfortable to go to the jungles of Peru. Or it's uncomfortable to go to Africa or the Middle East. It's uncomfortable to go to my neighbors next door and share the gospel. Or try to start like a, uh, an evangelistic uh, Bible study in the neighborhood. Uh, it's uncomfortable or it's going to cost a lot of money. I'd just rather sit down and watch TV. Are you running from God's will to do your own? Jonah, chapter 4, there's been the greatest revival in the history of the Bible as far as like the entire city is saved. And look at chapter 4. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord. And he said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was in my own country? That is why I made a haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said to him, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city and he sat down to the east of the city and he made a booth for himself there and he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Uh, just a minute, just a minute. I, I can't keep going. Um, Jonah, he's totally displeased. He's exceedingly angry with the Lord. And then he tells the Lord, I knew that you're slow to anger and merciful. I knew that this would happen. I knew you'd send me and I'd preach and people, they didn't repent. And then you're going to relent of, of, the, of the wrath that you're going to pour out on them. He's angry. And look at this. He says, he wants to die. It's better for me to die than to live. And then later on, in verse 8, he says it again. It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for a plant? Sorry, I skipped over a little bit there. But he wants to die. The prophet is suicidal. He, he, actually, before this, in chapter 1, when he tells the mariners, you know, throw me overboard. I don't think that he's saying or he's thinking in his head, you know, I don't think he's thinking, throw me overboard and God's going to send this great big fish and it's going to swallow me up. It's going to swim back over to the shore near Nineveh, spit me up and then I'll go in all day. I don't think he's thinking that. He's thinking, I'd rather die. I'd rather drown out here than go to Nineveh and see the Ninevites get saved. This is his attitude. He wants to die. He says it several times. He... You know, he's a courageous guy. He's not afraid of death. He's not afraid of the ocean. He's not afraid of whales, it seems like. He's running from God's will to do his own. And then after that, in verse 6, Now the Lord God appointed a plant. Oh, I'm sorry. In verse 5, I want to point this out. He goes to the east side of the city. He makes a booth for himself. He sits down in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. What's he doing? What do you think he's doing? Yeah, he, he just preaches. There's this great revival. And then he goes up on the hill overlooking the city and he builds himself a little lean to and maybe he's got a little fan going on him and uh, drinking his pina colada. And then uh, he's sitting there and he's it says till he should see what would become of the city. It's almost like I know that they repented. I know that God's merciful and gracious, but maybe, just maybe, we're going to see Sodom and Gomorrah. I just, I want to see the fire from heaven. I want to see them obliterated. 
He's actually, this is what he's hoping. God appoints a plant. And he made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from the discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. It is better for me to die than to live. I want to point out real quick, God appointed a plant, God appointed a worm, God appointed a scorching east wind, and back in chapter 1, in verse 17, it says, and the Lord appointed a great fish. God is completely in control. He's sovereign. He's appointing all of these things. And you know, I really believe that to God... His worker is more important to him than the work. Maybe someone's going to be upset with me afterwards for saying that. What I mean is God's going to get his work done with or without you. He's going to get that work done. But he is very concerned about his workers. I'm not talking full-time workers. Every one of us are workers. For our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is concerned about you and your attitude. How you serve him. How you go about the work. God made this huge revival happen. And it definitely wasn't because Jonah had the right kind of attitude. And then God is appointing everything. He's sovereign. He's totally in control. And then God says to Jonah in verse 9, Do you do well to be angry for a plant? And he said... Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. There he wants to die again. And the Lord said, do you pity a plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night? And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Basically, The question ending the book is, what's more important, a plant or 120,000 souls? What's more important, you being comfortable or being useful in God's hands to save lost souls? What's more important? It is so easy to get comfortable. Think of that woman in that village. She didn't want to make the trip upriver because it was going to be uncomfortable. It was going to cost money. She's going to have to sit there five hours in the, in the sun. It's uncomfortable. But she didn't even care about her own child. Missions is going to be uncomfortable. And I don't necessarily mean foreign missions. Right here. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes if you're going to engage in it. But what's more important? Being comfortable or being available? It's interesting. The book ends right here. It seems like there should be a chapter 5. It's like, I'm sure the archaeologists are going to find a chapter 5 at some point there in their discoveries. Actually, I'm, I'm just kidding. This is, it ends kind of in a, in a stunning fashion so that you're left thinking. Now, we're going to pretend there's a, we're going to write chapter 5 tonight, right now. Um... And this is how it goes. We're going to suppose that uh, we have a junta directiva, uh, a mission board, a mission board here at uh, at uh, Boulevard Bible Chapel. I almost said Beaumont. Uh, Boulevard Bible Chapel. We're going to, you guys are going to start a mission, and we have a mission board here. We're all going to be on the mission board, and we'd like to send out missionaries. And so, uh, uh, you know, this guy comes to the mission board, uh, our first candidate to be a missionary, and he comes, and his name's Jonah. And uh, let's just suppose this is the same Jonah of the Bible. He's somehow, the Lord sent him back another time, and uh, he wants to be a missionary. And uh, so we start to interview this guy, Jonah. We want to interview our, our, our prospective missionaries and, and see if they're really men of God that... Uh, uh, should be out there on the field. And so we got some questions for Jonah. And uh, the first question that we ask him, Jonah, has God called you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, God called me twice audibly. 
Really? This isn't very Brethren, but uh, wow, audibly called twice. This is absolutely incredible. Okay, Jonah, wow. Yes, yes, he called me audibly two times, actually. Um, so, Jonah, do you have, like, sound doctrine? Evangelical doctrine? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, I actually, uh, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. I believe that God is the creator of all things. I also believe firmly that salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is not by works. It is not by being religious. It, it belongs to the Lord. Only the Lord can save. Uh, people don't save themselves. And I also, when I preach, I emphasize the wrath of God. I don't leave that out. A lot of preachers today want to neglect the, the message of the wrath of God. But, I mean, I have preached messages about the wrath of God and cities being overthrown by the wrath of God if they don't repent. And I preach repentance. You need to repent. But at the same time, the other side of the coin, I emphasize the graciousness of God. I know that God is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. That's my God. Wow. Jonah. Yeah. Sound doctrine. Evangelical. Yeah, this, this is great. Jonah. So, uh, okay, we got, we got a few more questions for you. Jonah, um, have you experienced the deeper life? <laughs> I've gone really deep. <laughs> we, we won't talk anymore about that. But uh, Jonah, um, are there results when you preach? Hey, have you seen results when you preach? People come to, to faith in our great God and uh, repentance. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, even the cows repent when I preach. I, I, can, I can actually, I didn't want to, you know, eh, brag about myself, but I am a pretty good preacher. There are serious results. Since you asked, you know, I wouldn't have told you. But Jonah, then we, we got another question for you. Um, do you pray? Oh, yeah. I've prayed in some of the strangest places. I've play, prayed in, in places you couldn't even imagine. And when I pray, God answers. I prayed and, and it, it's a long story, but I can pray and God answers those prayers. Wow, this is absolutely incredible. One, one more question, Jonah. Uh, are you, we want missionaries that are brave and courageous, not afraid to die. Would you consider yourself brave? You know, oh, I'm not afraid to die. I mean, actually, in the mission, I try to die. <laughs> wow, this guy like, wants to be a martyr. This is, uh, incredible. Okay, Jonah, you can go. You can go now. We will uh, talk together as a junta directiva, and uh, we will get back to you. We'll send you an email. And, uh, uh, but really, we're impressed with this, uh, this whole uh, interview process. You can go. He, yeah, Jonah goes. I mean, let's talk about this. This guy... He's like the most qualified missionary candidate that we could have imagined. He's courageous. He's not afraid to die. He's a great preacher. He prays, and when God prays, he answers his prayers. Um, this man is actually called of God audibly. God spoke to him and called him. Um, his doctrine is extremely evangelical, God-centered. He emphasizes repentance, the wrath of God, but also the mercy and grace of God. He realizes God is the creator of all things. He's the God over the earth and the sea. Incredible, incredible man. We need this guy for our mission. But before we take him on, let's do an interview with some of the other people that maybe have met him before. Okay, so let's call in, out of chapter 2, the... Uh, no, chapter 1. The sailors. The sailors. The mariners. They're kind of a rough crowd, so they got a lot of tattoos and some earrings and they're smoking. And, and come on, let, let them in here. And they kind of sit down. And so, uh, mariners, so what do you guys, you guys met Jonah before? Um, do you know this guy? And, oh, yeah. We've met Jonah before. We, we know him. He's uh, uh, an interesting guy. This guy... We were kind of hoping that when he came onto our ship, he'd like talk to us a little bit about his uh, religion. Uh, we'd heard before he got on the ship, when he got the ticket down at the port, we heard that this guy was a, a well-known preacher in Israel. And we were kind of hoping to, to hear a little of his message. You know, we kind of wanted to poke fun at him and everything, the preacher boy. But uh, we were kind of like interested at the same time. But you know what? He got on the boat. He completely ignored all of us. 
didn't even give us a tract or anything. He just went straight down to the bottom of the boat, found a sack of potatoes, and he was out cold, sleeping. We, we really hoped that uh, he'd share something with us, you know, maybe preach a little message on deck or something. We'd laugh at him and, uh, you know, that'd be over. But no, he, he ignored us. And you know what? He actually thought he could run from God. I mean, now we know after this experience that we had with him, he serves the true and living God. We just kind of play religion, but he serves the true and living God. And he thought he could run from him. What an idiot. The guy's a fool. He serves the true and living God and he knows it. He thinks he can run from him. Running from God's will to do your own. I mean, we wouldn't even do that. <clears throat> we tried to reprimand him and everything, but... Uh, you know, we don't recommend this guy for the mission at all. He put us in a lot of trouble. We almost all drowned because of his disobedience. No, 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 no. We don't recommend him for your mission at all. No, no. <laughs> wow. Mariners, okay. <laughs> I guess you guys kind of got a bad impression. Uh, you can go. We kind of get together as a junta directiva. and we, this, this must be a mistake. I'm sure there's other people that have had better experiences with Jonah. So uh, yeah, let's call in a, another uh, friend of Jonah, somebody that had met him before. How about we call in the, uh, the big fish? Let's call in the big fish here. Mr. Fish, he kind of makes some room. He's a big guy. He comes in. Kind of got a deep voice. Ah. Now, I don't know how he, he, he speaks. but uh, So, Mr. Fish, you've uh, met Jonah before. Uh, what do you think of Jonah? We're thinking of him as, as a missionary. And uh, Mr. Fish says, you know, uh, I better not even try. But uh, he's a stubborn guy. Jonah is a stubborn guy. Uh, this guy, Jonah, he actually thought that he could run away from God. All of us creatures, creation, God sends us and we have to obey. God sent me the big fish. I did not want to swallow that guy. I mean, he did not taste good. He did not settle well in my stomach. But God commanded me to do it. I had to do it. God sends my buddy the worm. He obeys. The plant, he obeys. The wind, obeys. Everything in creation obeys. God sets the sun in the sky and tells the sun, you stay there. The planets are going to go around and the sun obeys. He commands the planets and the planets obey. He commands the sea, you can only come up to this point and the sea obeys. He commands the mountains to come up to here and the mountains obey. And then he commands his prophet and his prophet spits in his face. And he runs the other way. We're talking about this guy is actually, he's not even a pagan or an unbeliever. He's one of your preachers. No, 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 no. I don't, as the big fish here, I do not recommend Jonah for your mission. The guy could have repented when he ran from God to the port. When he was at the port, he could have repented and gone back to Nineveh. When he got onto the ship, he could have repented and gone back to Nineveh. When the storm was going on the ship, he could have repented and gone back to Nineveh. When they threw him in the sea, he could have repented and gone back to Nineveh. When he was in my stomach, I'm the big fish. When he was in my stomach, the first day he could have repented. The second day he could have repented. It took three days of the acids in my stomach burning the guy to death, that he finally repented and, re and gave in to God. No, no. All of us in creation, we obey God. This man, running from God's will to do his own. Don't recommend him at all for the, for the mission. Oh, wow, big fish. Okay, you can, uh, you can go your way there. We'll, uh, we'll just uh, talk to a few more guys then. <laughs> Uh, maybe all, maybe this is just a coincidence, the, the uh, mariners, the big fish. Uh, let's call in the, the Ninevites. Ninevites come in and we're going to have a little interview with them. Ninevites, so you, go, you guys know Jonah? Oh yeah, we, we know Jonah. I mean, that guy looked weird. <laughs> Scary. And he smelled horrible. God, it, I mean, you could smell the guy a mile away. But can he preach? He's not joking. When he preaches, it's impressive. I mean, he didn't like go into a lot of details. His message was short. 
But he preached it over and over and over again. Everywhere he went, he jumped up on a table and he preached eight words. Got down, ran to another table, preached eight words. Got down, he just everywhere he went, he preached. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. I was in, okay, we're going to back up out of the interview. I was in uh, New York City about, uh, we were two weeks, about two weeks ago, our family, we went there. And uh, while our family was in one of the museums, I went towards Trump Tower. And I started handing out tracts, and uh, there's a whole bunch of people in front of Trump Tower. And I almost, I should have done this, I wanted to stand up on top of a table there. They even had like a, a thing that I could have stood on. I wanted to jump up and preach. Yet 40 days and New York City will be destroyed. And I wanted to try this. And Jonah, I mean, and see, maybe maybe that's like the magic words and everybody gets saved and the cows and everything. And the only problem is God didn't tell me to preach it like he told Jonah. So I just gave out tracks. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, back to the Ninevites. Ninevites, uh, what do you think of this guy? You know, we were impressed with his message and everything, and we thank God for this guy. We thank God that, that he sent Jonah. Uh, we're all saved because of the message that we heard, because of God. But God used this man, and we're thankful. We're thankful. But you know what? We don't understand this guy. Medio Coca-Cola. We say, he's kind, of, he's kind of crazy. I mean, he preaches, and, and, and we're, we were kind of wishing, he just ran up on the hill, and, and we were hoping that he'd be down with us, you know, kind of giving us some literature, uh, starting Bible studies, uh, starting different churches in different neighborhoods around us, maybe some Bible institutes, and, and, and teaching us. You know, we, we're hungry. We, we want to know more uh, about this great God that's had mercy on us, and, and we want to walk with Him. Uh, we don't understand this guy, though. He's up on this hill, and we've heard there's rumors that he wants us all to go to hell. We don't understand this guy at all. No, 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 we don't, we don't recommend Jonah for, for the mission at all. Yeah, okay, Ninevites, you guys can go. Let's call in one more. One more friend of Jonah, or somebody that Jonah knew. The worm. And we're going to call in the worm. He comes up and, uh, hello, Mr. Worm. Well, I don't know how his voice would be, but Mr. Worm, you know Jonah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know Jonah. You tell us about your experience with Jonah. Well, you know, Jonah, uh, I, the worm, am the only guy that saw Jonah happy. The only guy that saw Jonah happy. He sat under the shade until he should see what would happen with the city. And God appointed a plant. The plant came up and he made shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And then the worm came. He was exceedingly glad when he had a little shade, but he's exceedingly angry when 120,000 souls are saved. You can tell a lot about a person by what makes them happy or sad. Does it just fill you with great joy to see lost souls saved? Or does it fill you with more joy to sit in your lazy boy recliner at home watching American Idol drinking a Coca-Cola. What makes you happy and sad? This guy, Jonah, he was more happy when he's sitting there comfortable in his shade. The worm. The only guy that saw him happy. Jonah. He might have aced all his theological exams. He might have known a lot about God. Maybe we could say he didn't know God. But I think he was a believer. He was a believer. He had a wrong attitude. He knew a lot about God. He could ace all the theological exams. But he didn't have a heart for the people. You know, this is a major problem in assemblies across the country. 
We have good Bible doctrine. I think in a lot of assemblies that we've been able to visit. Really good doctrine. Now, maybe we could ace all of the theological exams. But for some reason, in a lot of places, love for the lost is just gone. We're like the woman. Doesn't even care. Their own child is going to die. If you don't love the people, and if you're in ministry anyway, or, or leading a Bible study, or working with the kids, or women's ministry, or you're leading some ministry, but if you don't love the people, you just should get out. Get out of the ministry. Don't leave the church. Get your priorities straight. Are you running from God's will? To do your own. Are you running from God's will to do your own? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this book of Jonah and the warning that we find here. So many of us are wasting our lives knowing lots of good theology, knowing lots of Bible. Even having a lot memorized and maybe even being able to preach well. But for some reason, we just have grown, grown cold. And there's no love for the lost. A genuine desire to see lives transformed and people transferred from the kingdom of darkness, darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. Oh God pray that you would do some miracle. Maybe cause us to be swallowed up by a whale somewhere. Maybe we need to go through some horrific experience to be shaken, awakened, to the reality of how short life is and how many people and souls around us are, are going to hell. We realize you're going to get your work done with or without us, but God, what a privilege and honor to be included in what you're doing. And Lord, now we live at the end of the ages. Christ's coming is, is imminent and closer than ever before. And we look at the things that are happening in the world around us. And, and God, the urgency. We just want to be useful instruments in your hands. Well, I think. Or maybe, or maybe we're just so cold and indifferent. Maybe just so indifferent that we should shut the doors. To our assembly. Oh God, I just pray that you would challenge us and encourage us and somehow motivate us to live lives not wasted. Help us to stop running from your will to do our own. Help us to take this warning to heart, the things that we see here in the book of Jonah. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.